Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It rained first thing this morning, but the sun is out and it is baseball opening day, everybody. I know this is a basketball podcast, but honestly, you can't stop me from loving it. You cannot stop me from loving baseball. I am a baseball fan. I am not good at fantasy baseball, so don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm talking about here. I am talking about just sitting back, relaxing, and watching some baseball games. I love it. I love it. I am so excited about the pitch clock for so many reasons, not the least of which is that, you know, in all likelihood, um, you know, I might get to watch large chunks of games with my oldest son before he has to go to sleep. Whereas in seasons past, to put that dude down to sleep in like the fourth inning, we might make it to the sixth or seventh now. The game shuttling along at a more reasonable clip. So, uh, happy baseball day to those who celebrate. I do. Games start any minute now, actually, on the uh, the eastern seaboard. I'm not as invested in those. I think a couple of western teams are out that way. Um, or, uh, yeah, yeah, there is. I got that right. Um, I am in a fantasy baseball league. I have been for about 15 years with some dudes that I met when I did some volunteer broadcasting at UC Davis. Uh, and I don't know that I've ever finished above fifth or sixth place because typically I just stop setting my lineup by like late May. Yeah, I'm that guy in the baseball league. So I'm so done after basketball. I need a decompression. But this year, he says confidently knowing that he's going to fail, this year I'm going to do it. I'm going to set my lineup all season long. I did. I think I set my lineup all season last year, and I finished like fifth or sixth, so that was a step in the right direction for me. But look, we got a big Wednesday to recover. This is a one-show Thursday with only the, the extremely short card tonight. Tomorrow, I'll try to get a two-show day going. It's going to depend a little bit on, again, coverage. Uh, a lot of schools are off tomorrow, Cesar Chavez Day. Um, which means a kid is home from school at a different time than normal. So, you know, childcare stuff, once again, creeping in, rearing its ugly head. Uh, but we'll do our best on that one on uh, on the Friday show. But today is Thursday. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's not a baseball show. We do have a baseball show, the great Jorico. Jorico, I combined his first and last names. Joe Orico hosts our Fantasy MLB Today show here at Sports Ethos. It's an awesome, awesome podcast. You guys have to listen to that. If you want to win fantasy baseball, you can also follow Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. That's our baseball feed, Ethos Fantasy BB. You guys know Ethos Fantasy BK is the basketball feed. But seriously, let's dive in now. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Let's go. Milwaukee, uh, they got everything that they needed to out of their stars in this one. Drew Holiday. 51 points, 8 boards, 8 assists. Believe it or not, this surprised the hell out of me, it's the first 58-8 game for a Milwaukee Bucks player since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which that part's not the surprising part. The surprising part is that Giannis hasn't done it. I thought for sure Giannis would have had a line like that. Dude had 38-17-12 and 12 in this ballgame, which is a stone's throw away. But whatever. Um... 
I got some questions about what fringy bucks you could use with Middleton out. There really isn't anyone that makes the grade on the Roto side. They are finishing up a 5-7 and seven, uh, tonight, I believe. Am I getting that right? Yes, they're hosting Boston in a game that they will care about. You'll have all the regulars back. Um, and then you can most likely pivot off to a different direction uh, because they go, what, tonight, Thursday, and they're off until Sunday on an overflow day, no less. Indy is seemingly in full shutdown mode, but I guess we really don't know for sure. Isaiah Jackson, 5,023 minutes. He still had nine points and three blocks in this one. Uh, the four of 10 shooting was a little bit unusual, but, you know, I mean, we know the defensive upside is absurdly high. Jalen Smith, he fouled out in 19 minutes. You're wondering, where did all these free throws go? Well, Giannis got 14 and Drew Holiday took 10. So that uh, basically was where that all ended up. Uh, I, again, if Miles Turner continues to rest, Isaiah Jackson is the easier call there. Um, Jordan Nawara, who's not officially filling in for Buddy Heald, but gets a lot of those shots. That's, that ends up being really useful for him. Benedict Matherin as the primary right now. That's good enough. Andrew Nemhard had 15 assists in this game. Uh, we also got questions about TJ McConnell with Tyrese Halliburton now. And I said, you know what? I'm not sure that TJ McConnell even plays in these games. And even if he does, I don't know that he gets the normal minutes. And that's what we saw here. McConnell played, so I, I was wrong about him resting. But I was right about them not overusing basically the one veteran out there. Now, George Hill played 14 minutes also. But uh, this is young guy time. In Indiana. Uh, Aaron Neesmith left this game with about four minutes to go. Kind of an undisclosed situation. So who the hell knows if, if he's part of their next ball game? They've got Oklahoma City at home tomorrow. Yeah, again, I think we we should just assume that the veterans are done for Indiana. Uh, and then if that's the case, then Matherin, who's been points league only for most of the year, moves into an all league's profile Nemhard, who doesn't get steals or blocks percentages have not been all that great but does get quite a few assists as the sort of the lone point guard becomes uh, teetering on the edge of nine cat but very much an eight cat and kind of punt build type of guy Jordan Wara he'll be he'll get you a smattering of a bunch of things and then of course I mean aside from Matherin uh getting all of the everything Isaiah Jackson's the one that you're looking at and you're going, okay, well, if this dude just somehow barrels his way, you know, in a non-Giannis game, although he might have to deal with Shea, just stay the hell out of foul trouble. Get your 24-ish to 26 minutes or whatever it is, and he'll blow the doors off the building. But let's keep moving. Houston finally got a little bit of a better ball game out of Alperin Sengun. Still missed a couple of free throws, but at least 21-12 and 12 was good. A steal and a block in that one and kind of trying to save his fantasy value from completely falling off a cliff here down the stretch. Shangun is number 94 on a per-game basis. He's been relatively healthy this year, so by totals that does save him a little bit. He's number 73 on the total side. Uh, but again, he's he's legitimately like two or three not-great ball games from falling outside the top 100 on the year. Uh, not what you wanted there. Kevin Porter Jr. is probably, uh, I think you can safely call him the good story in Houston fantasy-wise. He's, he's still It's not like he's been destroying or anything. 
He's right next to Shingun at number 93, but typically got drafted around 93, maybe a little bit before that, but still, you know, outside of the injury again. Um, at least per game, he's been relatively useful. K.J. Martin, right on the edge right now. Jabari Smith Jr., also kind of right on the edge. Tari Eason took a step back in this one uh, with the regulars playing better and more minutes. And that, of course, is the fear with him. I thought he'd be good to go every game the rest of the season, but, you know, the bumps and bruises of a young player in the NBA. Eason, to me, is still a hold. Easier case to be made on the head-to-head side because they're... You know, they still have two more games this week, and then they go in kind of a, a clunkier schedule next week. Roto, I get it. It's hard to figure out what day is going to be the good day. Um, so whatever. There's nothing about that that screams you have to do it. So I know, like, you guys want me to have a show where I put my foot down on everything, but it's the time of year where you can't really do that. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly. The go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Cam Johnson. There was so much Cam Johnson hate earlier this year, but it was all injury stuff. He's number 58 on a per-game basis this season. 58. He's a good percentage dude who hits a bunch of three-pointers also. And it's not just because he moved to Brooklyn, because this is basically what he would have done in Phoenix. Not this game. 31 is is better, but, you know, you have the big ones and the small ones. Mikael Bridges is the guy that got the big usage bump because he was getting his shots much more kind of in the offense. Regardless, there's no story with Brooklyn, so let's just keep moving here. We want to profile the stuff where things are possibly changing, which there wasn't much of that in Dallas either. They've got both of their stars back, and they lost because uh, Philly's actually a, you know, a decent opponent. De'Anthony Melton had a good game off the bench. That was fun and a little bit surprising. P.J. Tucker was the guy who didn't get many minutes. They needed to go smaller to deal with Dallas, uh, and so Melton fit the bill there. Tyrese Maxey, big ball game. Joel Embiid was relatively quiet, actually, by all accounts in this one. Harden had a rough shooting game, but got his 12 assists and three steals. And, and again, no real big changes on the Philly side, other than I expected DeAnthony Melton to taper off in this one, but he was a little bit better because he hit his three-pointers. Melton coming off the bench is, is better than Melton as a starter, but when everybody's healthy for Philly, you just you can't really take that plunge. And it's basically the same story for Tim Hardaway, with some slight tweaks, yeah, he had 21 points, but it's because he made his three-pointers. It just doesn't level off to high enough for Timmy, 
and it definitely doesn't level off to high enough for Christian Wood, who really doesn't get to play much when both Irving and Doncic are healthy. We've talked about that before. Christian Wood is, oh, everybody was in celebration mode, man. This is, again, why you don't roll out the Mission Accomplished banner too early in a fantasy season. Wait until the very last day and then make your call. And it's why we only spent one day, or we did it over the All-Star break, I think. We went over how some of the players were doing, and uh, someone on YouTube uh, in the comments gave me a lot of guff because I wasn't more definitive in how some of the guys were performing. I think the comment was like, oh, well, you can make anybody sound like a win if you add enough caveats, but that's not what I was doing. I mean, there were a lot of them where I just called it a neutral because we didn't know how the rest of the season went. I think at that point I called LeBron James a neutral because we didn't know how the end of the season was going to go, and then he got hurt and missed four weeks. So, yeah, obviously that ends up as a miss. Kawhi Leonard was a neutral because he'd been terrible up to that point, but he was also steamrolling the NBA I mean, he's number 10 on a per-game basis now. He's up to 47 games, and he probably plays in, what, four or five of their remaining ones? So, like, as insane as it sounds, Kawhi Leonard is not going to miss his ADP by that much on the total side. Maybe a round? Round and a half? I mean, that's a miss, but it's a small one. And per game, I mean, he's a roto draft anyway. So that's why you wait until the bitter end. Because Christian Wood has now turned into a pretty substantial miss on the year. Thank goodness, because I faded the crap out of him, and I was feeling pretty sheepish when he went on that four-week mega heater. Well, now he's basically fantasy useless. Womp womp. Julius Randle, badly sprained ankle in New York's win over Miami. The Knicks will be okay here in the short term, but they're obviously going to need him back when they get to the playoffs. And honestly, I don't know that he's going to be fully healthy by the first day of the playoffs. That's like two weeks from now. This is awful, awful news for the Knicks. They do have Jalen Brunson, who actually had a bad ball game and they still want. They do still have Emmanuel quickly, and Quentin Grimes has been hot lately, and Josh Hart is was the perfect acquisition for that team. I am curious... How this thing shakes itself out. Because Mitchell Robinson actually saw less playing time in this one. He lost playing time to Isaiah Hartenstein, who played better. Nick's bench was pretty good. The Hartenstein, quickly, Josh Hart grouping was extremely effective. Do they start Obi Toppin, or do the Knicks go small? Would they dare slide... Because they'd be pretty damn small. Would they dare slide R.J. Barrett up to power forward... Grimes, small forward. Brunson and quickly in the backcourt? I mean, that's pretty damn small. Or does Josh Hart finally get inserted into the starting lineup? I know they loved what he's done for them off the bench, but maybe this is the moment. Barrett, power forward, Hart, small forward against some teams you could probably get away with it. I don't think you're picking up Obi Toppin. It's basically the the short version here. He just isn't a guy that Tibbs is going to give 25 to 30 minutes of ballgame. You probably get more Emmanuel quickly. You'll certainly get a safer iteration of Quentin Grimes. Josh Hart will see an extra minute or two. And then from a usage standpoint, this is a, a grossly slow basketball game. But in general, with Randall out, quickly is going to see a big bump. Brunson's going to do a lot in their next ball ballgame. Uh, and then for the Knicks, who had that run of, of kind of crummy schedule, 
You know, you can make an argument that a lot of guys make sense now, even in their, again, not great schedule here the rest of the way. They only have five games over the last, what, 11 days of the season, including one on the very last day. And two this week on the high-volume days. But if Randall misses that whole time, you know, I mean, you could make a pretty reasonable argument that Grimes, Hart, quickly, definitely Brunson. I hate R.J. Barrett's fantasy game, but if you're in a points league, fine. Like, those guys all might be startable in most formats, minus, again, the caveat on Barrett being that he is a points league guy. And then what about Hartenstein? Does he, do they have to go two bigs? I doubt it. But has he jumped Mitchell Robinson from game to game? It's certainly more of a timeshare lately. Miami was awful. I mean, how, how the hell did this game, what happened? Did they like reset the shot clock to 30 for this one? I did not watch this game live, if it wasn't immediately evident. I had other games, I'm trying to flip back and forth between them. And I, going into this one, there weren't that many angles I was interested in. Now you've got some with Randall out. Uh, on the Miami side, uh, Gabe Vincent boosted back up with Kyle Lowry resting for a ball game. But again, you know, how often can you really trust that? And then otherwise, it's the same old story. You, everybody in a blender outside of the main three. Lakers uh, suddenly have a really effective starting five from a reality standpoint. Um, kudos to Austin Reeves. He, he maintained fantasy value even with both LeBron and... And D'Angelo Russell back in there. I think on yesterday's show I said to hold to see how it went. Um, expect a usage drop, which you did have in this ballgame. But Reeves went 7 for 8 from the field. And that kind of floated his value. Because if he goes, and he's a pretty good percentages guy anyway. But if you assume he goes 4 for 8 instead of 7 for 8. And he'll get his couple of free throws for ball games because he's pretty good at drawing a foul. Uh, you drop that 19 down to 13, 13 points, five assists on decent percentages is good. And frankly, that is holdable with the Lakers now in a good scheduling spot the rest of the way. I mean, minus the fact that they've got some games on high volume days, uh, but don't expect the big explosions. And frankly, I wouldn't expect 19 points as long as the team is fully healthy. I, I think this is probably the most points he scores uh, between yesterday and the rest of the season. Vando uh, is a drop. He got more minutes in this ballgame than usual because they needed him on DeMar DeRozan. Um, and DeMar did his damage largely against the second units of this ballgame as well. Uh, and then everything else is pretty straightforward for the Lakers. You're not going anywhere beyond the starters. For the Bulls, Alex Caruso uh, trying to play through this foot thing, and it's just not really working. He saw fewer minutes because they tried to start him on LeBron, and, like, I know Caruso's a good defender, but he's given up about 900 pounds in that matchup, and that just wasn't happening. And so then LeBron started picking on Zach Levine instead. Um, Bulls actually shot 51% of this game and just got trounced. Kobe White played pretty well. He's a, a schedule stream-level guy. Patrick Beverly was worse. He's a schedule stream-level guy. And they're one of the clubs we mentioned during the YouTube pregame here. Uh, that has a back-to-back Tuesday-Wednesday of next week. Um, Caruso, I think, is hard to trust because of the injury stuff. And then Patrick Williams was truly awful in this one, but he would fall into that schedule bucket as well. Utah over San Antonio in a good old-fashioned tank off. Taylor Norton Tucker had 41 to uh, screw up Utah's tank. Chris Dunn is a play. 
Uh, THT's a play. Ochai Abaji's a play when Larry Markinen sits. I think Markinen plays every other game the rest of the season for Utah. I saw some folks saying that he's probably getting shut down. I just don't think they've done that yet. I think he wants to play. He's, uh, if there's something going on with him, then I think it's probably real. Uh, and I think you probably get two or three games out of Lowry down the stretch here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, you know, they kind of might as well. He's having fun. You don't have to play him 35 minutes. I just think he gets in there for a little bit. And that'll make it harder to stream Jazz on the, the head-to-head side, but um, certainly THT is worth a look. His percentages tend to erode his fantasy value a lot. Chris Dunn is the safer play because percentages are not going to kill you. Uh, Abaji's really only play when marketing is out, but again, if you're doing this stuff on the head-to-head side, you just kind of take the aggregate, and that's fine. And eh, that's probably about as far as I'd go. I mean, obviously, you're going Walker Kessler because he's been outstanding, but he's above the fray in all of this stuff. And then for San Antonio, it's the same stupid crap. Zach Collins played in this one. Trey Jones played in this one. Um, You'll probably see the two other main cogs in the next one, which would be Vassell and Keldon Johnson. Jeremy... Sohan is actually hurt, so that's kind of a different thing. And then who the hell else plays, I, I honestly don't know. Sandra. Sandra will have a decent ball. He actually had a decent ball game here. But Sandro's your every other kind of situation if you wanted. And then head-to-head, at least he's playing in the other games. <laughs> Clippers in Memphis had a rest-off in this one. Clippers rested Kawhi. I think he had a personal situation, but they gave him the day off. Memphis rested... Uh, JJJ, Ja played. I can't remember who was in and who was out for this ball game. Ja was in. Dylan Brooks was in. Bain was out. JJJ was out. Tillman played. This was uh, the back end of a back-to-back for the Grizzlies, and they'll have the Clippers again tomorrow. And uh, Clippers won it in the good old-fashioned rest-off here. Nobody played any defense at all. Clippers shot 62%. Grizzlies shot 52%. 52 wasn't enough. Sorry, everybody. Rob Covington, 32 minutes off the bench and damn line of the night. What an absurd thing that the Clippers have Rob Covington just racking up DNPs. There are so many teams I could use that guy. Uh, Did not have the stones to play Rocco. But, you know, if we ever find out that Kawhi, then there might be a game here. I think they got a back-to-back next week. Yeah, last two games of the regular season. Clippers actually have a back-to-back coming up this week, Friday, Saturday. I assume Kawhi's going to sit out the uh, one of those two games. He sat out this one. Maybe you'd throw Rocco into the mix there. The safer plays for the Clippers is Russ when everybody's resting, and he'll kill you in free throws, and he'll usually kill you in field goal, and he'll usually kill you in turnovers, and he happened to be a lot better in those in this ballgame. But, you know, take the good with the bad when he's going to get, you know, 20 shots a ballgame. Bones is relatively safe if both Clippers stars are out. Terrence Mann and Eric Gordon are... uh, Sort of semi-safe, but again, they're like they're gonna. Gordon, I think, typically takes more than six shots. Man is gonna do stuff all with kind of in the flow of the offense. And then Nick Batum, we've talked about this many times on the podcast back in December. He's better when there are star players around him. 
he's not as good in this iteration, whatever this is, is more of a run-and-gun kind of thing. Batum is better when the game slows down. And for the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, those are guys that slow it down, bring it into the half court a little bit. Uh, so Batum's your guy when the when Kawhi's back in there, I would assume. Uh, but if Kawhi does indeed take one of these next couple of games off, um, there are a lot of options you can look at for the Clippers, and we'll uh, we'll approach those on possibly tomorrow's show. We get a little bit more information on which half of the back-to-back Kawhi is probably taking off. And then for Memphis, I assume they'll have most of their guys back for the next one, but like we talked about, Xavier Tillman just didn't get to play against Houston. They were in a smaller, faster lineup there. Tillman will play more against teams that have bigger lineups. The Clippers, Zubats, Mason Plumley racking up most of the center minutes out there, so Tillman got to play. And he had another really good fantasy game. If we find out JJJ's resting at any point in the future here, Santi Aldama is a really easy choice there. Uh, if Desmond Bain gets another day off or if Dylan Brooks gets another day off in there, then you could probably stream Luke Kennard. But this is all kind of Rolodex, put it in the file type of material because I assume the regulars will be back for these teams in their next ballgame. Oklahoma City needed a game-winning tip from Jalen Williams, that's Jalen Williams, to beat Detroit, who really almost won this one. Corey Joseph at a three-pointer with, what, like 15 seconds left? Not enough. Uh, Marvin Bagley only played 23 minutes. Eugene Omarui got 28 minutes off the bench, and here I said they didn't have any other power forwards they were willing to play. Well, egg on my face, ladies and gentlemen. But, I mean, this is why Detroit is such a mess right now. Jaden Ivey uh, was decent, but fouled out, had no steals or blocks, and had five turnovers. Mut- profiles much more as a head-to-head or eight-cat kind of guy. James Wiseman had 14 and 11 and nothing else, but he got to play more because Detroit is desperate to lose ball games. even though Jalen Duran was a plus 10 and had 10 and 6 with a block in his 19 minutes. I hate. I really hate what the Pistons do. I mean, I know that this is the tank stuff, but, like, please get out of your own way a little bit. Still, you want to be the worst. You want to be the worst. We've mentioned it before on the podcast. I think it does bear repeating. There is a difference even in the bottom three. And right now, the Pistons have the worst record in the NBA by a game and a half beneath the Rockets, and they want to keep it that way. Because, yes, the bottom three have the same odds to get the number one pick, but if someone from outside the top three jumps in, or if even all three teams from outside jump in, the worst-case scenario becomes fourth instead of fifth or sixth. It does matter. Teams still want the worst record. I'm still holding Jalen Duran. He's too damn good on a per-minute basis for me to abandon ship, um, even though they're shoehorning James Wiseman into 20-some-odd minutes of ballgame. Oh, good Lord. Uh, no Shea in this one. Surprised the hell out of me. So that means that he's actually a little bit hurt right now, and that's unfortunate. Uh, I'm hoping he's back for OKC's next ballgame. Uh, it's tomorrow at Indiana. Um... They need him because the Mavs are crapping on themselves, but they could jump over the Thunder. Right now, the Thunder have the 10 spot. They're in the play-in. When Shea's out, we know the story here. It's typically Jalen Williams and Josh Giddy, and then 
someone from the other group. Often it's Isaiah Joe, but he didn't have the three-pointer going here. Um, Aaron Wiggins got hot. Lou Dort got kind of warm. I mean, you know, good luck. Figure it out. I'm not going to bother. Sacramento clinched a playoff berth for the first time in 17 years with a win over the Zombie Blazers on the road. Blazers ran seven players in this ball game. Yeesh. And the Kings ran 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Everybody on the whole Kings roster got into the ball game, and the Blazers half as many players because the whole team is sitting right now. Shaden Sharp, 27 shots attempted in this ball game. He's obviously a play while everybody is resting. I mentioned Matisse Thibault as someone that'll definitely get you some defensive stats, and he did. Kevin Knox, I mentioned as someone that even in big minutes, I had trouble trusting. Drew Eubanks, I don't know where the 2-for-12 shooting came from in this ballgame. What the crap? Or 3-for-12. No, 2-for-12. 11 boards, 5 assists, 2 blocks I'll take. But, uh, what? 2-for-12 shooting? The hell happened, Drew? And then Nas Little, whose uh, fantasy game I continue to not like very much. Uh, so, Sharp, Thibel, Eubanks, those are the three guys you're going here. And if Trendon Watford shows back up, he is also a play in such a spot. Phoenix beat Minnesota in another low-scoring game. Low-scoring games mixed in here. You had Milwaukee, Indiana put up like 350 points to start the day, and your Clippers and Memphis score a ton. And then you had all these weird, like, 1990s basketball games. Devin Booker was good. Chris Paul was decent. Uh, KD was not. KD was rusty as hell coming back, but he'll be fine. He's KD. He'll be fine. Minnesota, uh, as you'd expect, um, mostly from a fantasy standpoint. Mike Conley still took 13 shots. He just didn't make them. That was actually kind of a good sign, I thought. Uh, Slow-mo, 6-10, 2 assists, couple of blocks. His 5 turnovers ruined what was otherwise a decent slow-mo kind of game. He had 30 minutes, and that's the important part there. So don't move on from slow-mo. Uh, I do still think that Conley probably falls outside the top 100. Um just from a, there's kind of too many mouths to feed right now. But if you want to hang on, none of these guys is a definite drop from that standpoint. So uh, I wouldn't wouldn't kill you. And then, of course, you're, you're stat hunting in almost every fantasy format right now. All right. Let's turn our attention instead to the games coming up on the ledger. Just a couple of them tonight. Boston is at Milwaukee. Should be a hotly contested game. Both teams are likely going to play their main guys. My only question for this is, do the teams show their best hand? Or do they want to hold a couple things back for the playoffs just from a strategic standpoint? But fantasy-wise, shouldn't be any real surprises here. Um, Boston is going into a back-to-back? -back? Yeah, that's right. I think they'll play their lineup today, and then maybe they'll rest both big men tomorrow when they host Utah, but, you know, we'll see. I, I just think they'd rather put their best foot forward here in this game against the Buckaroos, but you never know. Maybe maybe Time Lord gets it off, or maybe Big Al gets it off. I think they'll play Al Horford, because I, I, I know they like the way that he handles Giannis-related stuff. Um... But fantasy-wise, you know, main guys on both teams. I wouldn't go beyond that. For New Orleans, they continue their uh, enviable schedule this week. If you have a bunch of fringy Pelicans, you just kind of keep them going. On the head-to-head -head side, Roto, it's basically start the starters. For Denver, Jokic might be sitting. You may have an opportunity to drop a Thomas Bryant into your lineup. On that team with the options around him, 
And maybe they rest other guys also. Maybe if uh, if Jokic sits, then Denver just sort of like calls it. But I don't know. That feels kind of crummy. Like Pelicans are fighting right now. You think the Nuggets would like to play spoiler? Feels like Michael Malone's the kind of coach that would want to play spoiler. I know he wants to keep his team healthy, but I don't know. We'll see. It's a back-to-back. They're in Phoenix. It's a tough. That's a tough back-to-back. Um. Uh, they might rest everybody and play everybody in Phoenix tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Keep an eye on it, though. Denver could end up as an interesting little you know, one-day streamer. And by the way, uh, midway through the podcast here, we found out that Buddy Heald practiced. So my 51% guess feel maybe that goes up to like 60 that he comes back this year. We'll see. Uh, that's the only other news there. And then uh, from a... a Schedule streaming standpoint from a long streaming, you probably should have done most of what you were doing already this week. And if you haven't, I would recommend trying to hold off until Saturday because at least that gives you an opportunity to get a low-volume player day and have an even better idea of what categories you need to attack. So if you haven't used up all your moves already, and I know I said use almost all of them up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, eh, you're probably not doing it today. Maybe you do it today, but there really there's almost nothing to gain today that you couldn't gain on Saturday with more information. And that's it. Tomorrow, I think we'll probably do our last weekend review episode because the last Friday of the season we'll just do kind of a, a weekend, a last couple games preview, and then you know, now a week from tomorrow, we'll talk a bit about what comes up through the offseason. But uh, this week, one more time. One more time. Tomorrow, last week in review podcast of the season. I shed a tear. I actually do. I, I like the beginning of the offseason because I'm sort of untethered by schedule. But it gets old real fast. And I then I badly miss playing fantasy basketball. And by... Mid-May, I'm like I'm ready for the season to come back, and it feels so far away at that point. Especially once the finals, once you get to the late playoffs, and you have to wait like three days between ball games. Ugh. At least free agency is in July again. After that year, it was in August, and everything got pushed back. So you got free agency, and then there's some serious dead time. Don't talk to me about summer league. Go get yourself a fantasy pass, sure, if you want to beat baseball. But also, this is a great time for all of you guys to try out our DFS pass or our wager pass. And if you want a deal on it, hit me up. Maybe I'll hook you up if you're nice about it. You can post in the YouTube chat. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespris. Whatever's easier for you. If you'd like to try out wagering, our guys will guide you. We have a whole team of handicappers that will not just feed you crap, They're not out there to try to tout because they're not selling individual packages. They're all together in one big group, and all they want to do is see everybody win. And they'll help walk you through it, too. I'm realizing that the board behind me, as I look, and this will, I don't care if they're recorded podcast, it might be the case every day, is tipped ever so slightly, so it feels like I'm on, like, a weird little boat here. Sorry, guys. There's just a whole bedroom on the other side of that, you don't want anything to do with that. Try out the wager pass. I showed everybody at the beginning of the show. Uh, it's at, at sportsethos.com. You click on the premium tab and choose get premium. 
If you want to try DFS, that's the place to do it too. It's a DFS pass. That's $4.99. It's 5 bucks a month. Wager pass is 15 bucks a month uh, because it's, I mean, basically that's like 130th of what you would pay at a traditional uh, sports handicapping website. We just want you guys to be able to try it. You'll make that back and then some. Give it a go. I'm going to be handicapping the playoffs. I always do. Pace is very easy to handicap in the playoffs. It's a great place to start. All right, everybody. Have a delightful Thursday. Enjoy the uh, pretty quiet one on the uh, on the NBA side. And enjoy baseball opening day. It has begun, by the way, as I finish up this podcast. Games have started on Eastern time. I'm going to throw them on in the background while I do my work the rest of the day. I hope you will as well. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. It's Fantasy NBA Today. So long for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.